guest hosting today on behalf of the Malahat Review and their spring launch. And our guests today, Madeline Sonic and Patrick Friesen in the first half, and in the second half we'll be talking with Amanda Merritt and Aaron Fisher. Madeline Sonic is an eclectic, award-winning writer and anthologist whose fiction, poetry, and creative nonfiction have appeared in literary journals internationally. Her book of essays, Afflictions and Departures, was nominated for the BC National Award for Canadian Nonfiction and was a finalist for the Charles Taylor Prize for Literary Nonfiction. And her new poetry collection, The Book of Changes, has just been published. Her other books include Stone Sightings, and that's poetry, Arms, a novel, Drying the Bones, Stories, and Belinda and the Dust Bunnies, children's novel. She has an MFA in creative writing and a PhD in education, both from UEC, and she currently teaches at the University of Victoria. Welcome, Madeline. Thank you. One of the websites lists that you discovered a love for writing and teaching during your journalism career. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I'll talk a little bit about my journalism career. Um, I went into journalism because I thought it was a really practical and pragmatic way to write. I thought, you know, I can make money as a journalist and I can probably live on it. So I did a degree at the University of Western Ontario. I did an MA in journalism. And then I got some kind of part-time jobs working for a business publication for the Chamber of Commerce as well as an alternative publication. So they were really divergent markets. And, uh, you know, all the time I was doing this kind of writing, I was thinking, oh, I really want to be writing my own kind of fiction and poetry. So I started doing that at that time. But it took me a long time before I ever published any of my creative work and uh, really a long time before I ever developed the kind of techniques that I kind of know now. So, And your Afflictions and Departures? My recent book, book yeah. Um, so that's a memoir that kind of combines memoir and social history. And I, I think ever since I was 14, I wanted to write a memoir. I started actually at 14. I called it A Dead Rat in the Alley. Yeah, yeah, it was, it's, you know, because that's how I felt when I was 14. So I've been trying to write, I say, memoirs ever since I was 14. And finally, when I was studying at UBC, I took a creative nonfiction course with Andrea Schroeder. And one of the tasks we had to do in that class was write memoir. And I wrote the first memoir, uh, which is in that collection in his class. And then the essays just kept coming, you know, and they're still coming because I'm now working at my second memoir collection. And your publication in the Malahat Review, the spring issue, is Shriek? Yeah, so Shriek is from the second collection of memoirs that I'm working on. It's during a period in my life when I moved to England. I was 16 years old. I moved there, and I couldn't get back into the educational system, so I took to working in first a hotel as a waitress and then as a chambermaid. But that particular story has to do with my work in a hotel as a waitress and some of the interesting things that happened and the people that I met are part of the story and part of the memoir. Do you want to read from Shriek now? Sure, or, and yeah. And let me talk a little bit more about some of the, th- okay. the other things that you're doing currently. All right. So I was a waitress in this hotel in a place called Ilfracombe, North Devon, England. There were only two children, excluding my brother, whom I saw and interacted with before I first heard the shrieking. Polly and Andrew Chester, the progeny of my employer, Eric, and his wife, Noreen. They sat, chubby and demanding, every morning at either end of the family table, flanking Eric and his mistress, Susie, who, side by side, faced the hotel's dining room. 
If Noreen had once sat at that table, it had been long before I'd been a waitress here. Me, Noreen, as we called her, was head chambermaid, and by the time her children and mate and mate's concubine were chowing down, She'd already been slogging it out for over an hour with dirty sheets and toilets and hairy bathroom floors. Polly and Andrew, age five and seven, didn't seem to mind the fact their mother didn't eat with them. Susie wasn't very maternal, but at a pinch could scold and correct if her attention happened to stray from Eric. Oops, straight, you two, she might command if her wandering vision caught them slumping in their chairs, or stop your bleeding mooking about, if she noticed they were throwing cutlery at each other. Eric, for all the world, seemed oblivious to the children, bodily joking with whichever waitress came to serve him. Sometimes I wish I were this dining room table, he'd say to a new young woman who hadn't yet learned not to ask why. Because, he'd retort, when breakfast was over, I could look forward to laying you. He and Susie would laugh loudly, while the waitress would blush, and the children, taking advantage of this raucous moment, would launch sugar cubes across the table at each other. None of us liked serving this table, for a number of reasons, not least of which they never tipped, and so at the beginning of the day, the waitresses all drew lots. Frequently, I would be the one to select the stained butter knife, the inevitable harbinger of the dreaded task. In a very short time, I'd learned to turn a deaf ear to Eric. But what I seemed incapable of blocking out were the uncensored comments of the children. Hey, you! Hey, what's it? Take the crust off my toast. I don't like crust, actually, Polly once said. Please take the crust off my toast, I instructed between clenched teeth. But Polly wouldn't say please. She just gazed at me with large, insolent eyes, then swept her fat little arm across the table and knocked her bowl of dry cornflakes onto the floor. Whoops-a-day, she squealed. Her round, blubbery cheeks reminded me of Alfred Hitchcock's jiggling with joy. What in bloody hell, Susie asked, attracted by the chaos. It was an accident, actually, Polly said. Andrew tended to be more sneaky than defiant, blowing dried peas at my legs through a pea shooter as I walked away from the table, or unobtrusively sticking a kick-me sign on the back of my skirt. I was only 17, too young to consider what compelled these children to behave like beasts, too ignorant to offer compassion. I swept the cornflakes into a dustpan off the grimy hotel dining room carpet, carried them back into the kitchen towards the slop bin, and then, when no one was looking, picked out the few bits of red lint and poured the cereal into a fresh bowl for Polly. Thank you. It's Madeline Sonic reading from Shriek, and that's published in the spring 2012 edition of the Malahat Review. You want to talk a little bit about the Book of Changes and, and sure. uh, that's uh, just recently been yeah. published? It's a poetry volume, and each of the poems is reflective of an I Ching hexagram. I really wanted to bring a kind of personal element to the I Ching because the I Ching is very impersonal in many ways and was used originally for war. The way warriors would make decisions would be to throw the I Ching. And so I thought, could we bring this into the personal realm and into maybe a more feeling realm, which is my natural place of being, I think. 
So I would ask certain questions and throw the coins, and then I'd get a hexagram, and then I'd try to work with the hexagram and develop a poem from that particular hexagram. And occasionally, I mean, it would be right on, you know, and the poem would come to me. Sometimes I had to really struggle and go back and grasp old memories and that kind of thing. But anyway, since it's come out, what I see is that I, I actually now have a tool. I can actually use my own book to divine things, to find things out. Thank you. Also in the studio with us is Patrick Friesen. Patrick was a resident of Winnipeg for 